This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. We'll begin in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open that up. The words will be on the screen behind me. If you want to use a phone or tablet, uh, you can use the Version app. Just open up the app, search under events for Parkview Finley, and you'll find scripture and sermon notes there. Here's what the passage says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, we've been reading this passage at the beginning of each sermon of our series. This is the fourth time you've heard it right off the bat. I'm doing that on purpose. What I'd like to challenge us to do as we continue through the series is to commit this to memory. This, this whole passage is several verses together. This is not something that, that I find the occasion to do. I know the value of memorizing Scripture, but, but, but why, why would I just, on my own, open up the Bible? I'm going to memorize a passage. Let's, let's, let's challenge ourselves by the end of our series to be able to say this without looking together. Okay, let's, let's, let's dig in, and, and we'll, I'll keep reviewing every week, same as we have, and we'll all uh, work on this together. Now, today we're talking about patience. And if I, have to, if I have to name a fruit that goes with patience, you know how we've been doing this with joy, we pick banana because it's the funnest fruit. Uh, with, for patience, the fruit that I, I can't get out of my head is coconut. It is a fruit, I, I double-checked. But when, when I, on our last trip to Florida to visit uh, my wife's parents, they, they took us to a fruit stand, we bought mangoes, and my father-in-law bought a, bought a coconut because he wanted the, the boys to see how to open a coconut. And so we brought it in the kitchen, set it up, he had a machete, and we started going to work on this coconut. It is not like you, you would imagine, on, like a, a guy on a deserted island with a coconut tree, and he just picks one up, and pop, there's coconut milk. No. It was exhausting trying to open this coconut up. And we, we opened it, we cut it, we started shaving off some of the flesh on the inside. It's terrible. Like, it was coconut smoothie. Those are great. Well, with other fruit. But you, you add it like a pina colada. Yeah, yeah. The, the coconut in, in drinks and desserts, it's sweetened. You open up a coconut, oh, it, it was not worth the work. And so I am going to say, coconut is the fruit of patience. Because it truly is a representation of that. Now, as we talk about patience, I want to focus on verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit... Let's keep in step with the Spirit. In order to keep in step with the Spirit, we need to learn to match His pace, to, to walk with Him. When I was a kid, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather, called him Papa. Uh, after work, sometimes he would take us for a walk. My sisters and I, they're older than I am, and I think uh, that was intentional to kind of wear me out and eat up some time. Um, and, and while we were walking, I would find myself being outpaced by my by Papa and my sisters. Why? Because they were all taller than me. My, my, my grandfather's nickname in the factory was High Pockets because he had such long legs. My sisters grew much more quickly. They, they were early growers. I was, as a young boy, a little challenged in that area. And so there, one of the reasons why I got outpaced was because I was shorter than everybody else. Another reason is because some of the time I would get frustrated. When, when they would get way ahead of me, Papa would lean back and go, hey, keep up, shorty. And as a kid struggling with height, didn't really like that. Sometimes that would motivate me to run and catch up. Other times, I'd start dragging my feet. Shorty, huh? I'll show you. Go even slower. 
There were other times that I was outpaced because I got distracted. Because a squirrel would climb up a tree. Or because there were ants walking across the sidewalk. Or I would just walk and kick rocks as I was walking along the sidewalk, trying to keep them in front of me as I was walking. You don't believe how, how slow that makes a boy when he's walking, kicking stuff. It's super slow. I had trouble keeping pace. Now, I think spiritually, if we, we think about what it is to keep in step with the Spirit, most of us find ourselves wanting that. Yeah, that, just, that just sounds great. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's live according to, to what he's calling us to. Let's live with him and dwelling in us. And yet, all the while, we feel like we're, we're out of step. We're, we're, we're falling behind. We're at a different pace. Things are, things are different. Sometimes it's because we get really excited and we actually get ahead of the Spirit. And we get, get a hold of an idea or, or uh, a, a ministry or a calling, and we think, wow, this is what, this is what I was made to do. This is, what, this is what I'm going to do for the Lord, and, I, and I, I'm going to accomplish this incredible thing. And we pray this prayer. Maybe you've said it before. God, I want you to bless what I'm doing for you. Hey, keep up with me, God. <laughs> I, I'm ready for this. Why don't you bless it so that it will be good for your kingdom? Because I'm gonna, I am going to do this for you. I, I've been there. It's, it's not a great thing to, get, to outpace Spirit to get ahead. But sometimes we find ourselves falling behind, being outpaced by the Spirit. And, and there are a lot of reasons that can happen. Maybe, maybe we're, we're frustrated with process, that, that we're not, not in sync with the, the Spirit, that, that things don't feel right. Maybe it's the church that, that's causing us to feel out of step, that, that we're struggling with the timing of the way things happen in a church or the, the leadership. Or maybe maybe situations that are, that are out of our control. And, and, and it builds in us this, this kind of frustrated resentment, like, like when my grandpa would call back Shorty, and we're like, well, yeah, I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm following in that way, but I'm not going to keep, keep in step. I'm going to go slow, like a, like a toddler who's going somewhere they don't want to go. I want to get ice cream. Oh, you do? Well, we're going to the doctor first to get shots, and then we'll go get ice cream. <laughs> you got a kid that you're just kind of dragging along and you know, pick them up and carry them. They're just dragging their feet. They don't want to go. That's, that's how we get sometimes, knowing, knowing how good it is to keep in step with the Spirit. But yeah, I don't know. Sometimes we get distracted. We see the, where the Spirit is leading. We, we, we see the pace, and yet, well, they, look at that. There's other things I want to do. And we, sometimes we even take a different path. Keeping in step with the Spirit requires us not only to, to see what's happening, to see where he's leading and the pace that he's going, but to fall in sync with that. Have you ever watched the Ohio State marching band at halftime? Everybody stepping in the same rhythm, feet moving at the same time, formations weaving in and out of each other perfectly on the field. It's incredible to see how all of that works together. I've watched America's Funniest Videos. I know what happens when one of the drummers gets dis distracted and they make a big pile in the middle of the field. That's not what you see. It's incredible the, the way that they work in sync together in unison and harmony. That, that's what we're thinking about when, when, when we think about what it is to, to stay in step with the Spirit, that, that we would synchronize with Him, that we would align our thoughts with His will, that we would align our choices and our actions with His way, that we would, we would live according to the Spirit and keep in step with Him, allowing His indwelling presence to, to do its work. You know, that's a process that requires patience from us because we don't move with the same, in the same timing that, that God moves or his spirit moves. In fact, sometimes we, we're not aware of the changes. 
And we have to really pay attention to see what God is doing and where he's going. It requires so much patience on our behalf to, to not only focus, but to commit to follow, to be faithful. As we talk more about patience, I really want to be clear. Patience is a spirit fruit. It is something that is born in us out of the spirit. And I know that's true because it's not a me fruit. Nope. When I think about what patience calls me to, I don't have what it takes. It's, it's the spirit of God producing that fruit in me. And I understand the value of patience. I see how important patience is, especially when other people are patient with me. When I'm at a restaurant and I see a giant board of food, and I'm like, I, I, I don't know what I want. I appreciate when someone's willing to give me time to think. When, when a server will have a conversation instead of rushing off to another table. When, when, when people are willing to invest time and be patient, I, I appreciate that. I also know the value of patience because I see what happens when patience is lost. When, I'm, when someone else loses their patience with me, I, I, I feel the value of, of what patience is. When, when I lose my patience with my kids or with people that I'm dealing with, I, I know how important it is. I value it significantly. As much as I, I value it, as much as, as we can all recognize how meaningful patience can be, it, it's a rare thing for us. I'm going to speak for all of us. It's a rare thing for us to actually commit ourselves to growing in patience, to letting the Spirit work in us, to, to produce his fruit of patience. And, and one of the ways I know that is because there's a joke in Christian circles. Everywhere I've, I've ever gone around Christian people, I have heard people say this joke in the same way. What do they say? Never pray for patience. I hope it's a joke. I've heard people say it. Never pray for patience. Why? Because when you pray for patience, God will develop patience in you the hard way. He will put you in difficult situations. He will put you around difficult people so that patience is stretched out of you. It's forged out of you. It is not comfortable. And so we say, ah, don't pray for patience. Don't. I did it again. Don't. I, last service, I said, don't pay for patience. I don't know what that means. Don't pray for patience. That's what we just live according to that. And I've, I've been feeling convicted. You know what happens when I feel convicted. I share that with you so we can feel it together. So if we, if we refuse to pray for patience, that means we as Christian people who are living our lives according to the Spirit, who are, who are trying to be a, a light shining in the darkness, an example, a, a living a testimony for the Lord, are choosing to do that with this glaring fault because we refuse to submit to the work of the Spirit to develop patience in us. And so we're going to be the love and grace of Christ without patience. We're going to be a demonstration of how, how kind, generous, and loving Christians can be. But we're not going to offer you any kind of consideration towards patience. No. That's, that's, that's something that we can't overcome. That's something we can't hide. That's something that we can't compensate for. If we're not willing to be patient with people... Think of the damage we're doing to the cause of Christ, to, the, to his image in the world around us. And it can't be overlooked because there are so many things in the world today. So many situations, so many relationships that require a great deal of patience from us. We need, we need to learn it. We need to allow the Spirit to grow it. Luckily, Scripture tells us all about patience. There are several passages I want to walk through with you about patience and what it means for us. Let's begin in, in the book of Psalms. We're going to read the, the, the 37th Psalm. This is from David. Uh, some pretty, pretty powerful words. Do not fret 
because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. When they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Now, David was speaking from his own experience. You think about the history of David and the, uh, the challenges he faced when, when the, the king before him, Saul, worked diligently to harm David to keep him from taking the throne. When, when David was grown, his children were grown, the, the way his sons uh, manipulated and betrayed and, and, and sought to steal his throne. There's all kinds of things that David uh, even beyond that, could talk about in terms of seeing wicked things happen, seeing other people claiming success at his expense. And, and these, these, these are his words reminding us, we, even though we have so many reasons to, to worry and fret and be upset about, about wickedness, winning, we look at it, into politics, and there's so many things that are dividing and creating conflict in our country. We look at to the economy. There's so many things to worry about, keep us up at night. Morally, we look around in the world today and see this, this sense of affirmation and approval of things that stand very specifically against the teaching of Scripture. We look around at the rate in which our culture is changing, and it feels like we're standing on unstable ground. We look at what the future looks like, and it feels like that ground is eroding out from under us. And all the things that we see, all the difficulties that surround us, all the things that would cause us worry— David says, don't, don't worry about those things. Don't fret. Trust, wait patiently for the Lord. There's something inside of us that, that drives us, though. It drives us to overcome those things. We, we, I think some of that's from God as well. We see wrong, and we want to make it right. We see injustice, and we want, we want to correct that. We see people who, who are hurting. We see an imbalance, and we want to... We want to right the scales. There, there, there's a rightness that God instilled in us, but sometimes when we see those wrongs and we want to be the ones to, to, to fix those things that are wrong, we step forward in anger. And that's what, that's what David says. Re refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. It leads only to evil. Don't fret. There, there's a temptation for us to get ahead of God and, and respond emotionally and to really do harm. What we're, we're called to do, what David calls us to in, in, these, in this psalm is to focus on our own faithfulness and trust God to handle the things that are outside of our control. I, I say that, it sounds easy, yeah, it's not. Just trust God and let him, let him handle those things. Instead of worrying about the appearance of success, instead of seeing people doing wrong and winning, instead of worrying about other people, uh, this group of people whose reputation is great and you feel like it's at the expense of yours, it, it's really difficult to do that when all these things feel personal, when it feels like, like, like there's, there's this sense of success in people while you're failing, or people are, are, are winning at your expense, that, that you're, you're the, the target or maybe even the victim. What's even more difficult is when all of those harms and wrongs are are inflicted upon someone that you really love, but you feel helpless to, to resolve the situation. And yet still, the, the advice remains the same. Be patient and wait for the Lord. Trust him. 
Notice, notice that's the same process we've been talking about in terms of, of learning about peace. It's, it's a process of trust in God. Patience is also a process of trust in God. That, that patience grows in proportion to our trust in God. As we trust God more, we're able to, to be more patient. And the Spirit provides patience as we learn to trust the ways of God. Maybe, maybe you've heard of this test that they do that, that shows us how, 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 how we're wired to, to, to correlate trust and patience. There's a, a marshmallow test psychologists do. They take kids, put them in a room. I think they're willing participants. And, and they have a table there with, with a plate and a marshmallow on it. And they say to the child, I'm going to leave the room. You're welcome to eat that child. It's, it, it, it's, it, you're going to eat that marshmallow. You ever one of those days when things come out of your mouth the wrong way? I'm having one. Just be aware. I, I take full responsibility, but I can't, I can't guarantee what's coming. So there's a plate with a marshmallow, a child sitting there, and they say, child, you can eat the marshmallow. That's more appropriate. Uh, you can eat that marshmallow. It's your seat if you want to. But if you wait, if you don't eat it, I'm going to come back with lots of marshmallows, and you can have them all. It's a test of, of patience, of gratification, of delayed gratification, of trust, all these things. And, and yeah, kids are kids. Some of them, ha, they eat the marshmallow that's there. Others are willing to wait and, and, and receive a greater reward. Now, there's a second iteration of this test. It's the crayon test. So they, they bring a kid in, sit him in the room. There's a table, coloring pages, and crayons that are worn and broken. The paper's all ratty. They're blunt. Crayons. They're not sharp. They say to the child, you can, you can color. I'm going to leave the room again. You can color. But I know these crayons are bad. If you wait, if you don't color, I'm going to bring back a new box of crayons. They've they're never been opened. They're whole. They're, they're sharp. They're ready to go. You'll be the one to open the box and use them for the first time if you can wait. And they leave the room. Now, some of the kids color anyway. But for the kids who don't color, they come back with two responses. One, they come back with a new box of crayons and say, wow, here you go. Enjoy these crayons. Another set of researchers comes back in empty-handed, and they say to the kid who's been waiting, yeah, sorry, we, we don't have crayons. I know I said you could have new crayons. We're, we're out. I'm going to leave again. Here's a marshmallow. And they go through the marshmallow test again with, with all the kids. Here's a marshmallow. Eat it if you want to, but if you wait, I'll bring back more marshmallows. The results of this test are exactly what you would think. The kids who learned to trust the researcher because they brought new crayons, they were willing to wait for more marshmallows. The kids who were taught that you can't trust the researcher who will not keep their word, they didn't wait. There, there is a direct correlation between trust and, and patience. And when we look into the world, we see all the things, all the wrongs around us, we feel that. We feel that tension, that, that desire to right things that are wrong, to, to step in. And, and some of that has to do with the fact that we're still learning to trust. The danger of stepping forward of, dry, of diving in to resolve is that, that sometimes that's, produce, that's a, a result of our own anger and will lead us towards sin. What we should do is exercise patience and wait for God to handle things in his time. But, but that's, that's hard too because God's timing is so hard for us to, to understand. It's so, it's so hard for us to get in step with because God's timing is, is, is based on things that I don't know that God knows. God's timing is based on things that I don't think I can even understand that God fully comprehends. His timing is based on his perspective. It's based on his power. It's based on his knowledge. God, from his perspective, can see time in a way that I can't see it from beginning to end. God, from his perspective, knows things about everyone that I don't know. God's perspective sees the condition of hearts 
Some of them turning to him, some of them turning to stone. And I don't understand those things. And when I try and act, I do so blindly. When I choose to wait patiently and see God work in his timing, I see God open my eyes to the possibility of what he will do with his perfect knowledge, his perfect timing, his perfect perspective. And it's a difficult process, especially when those things feel personal, when they're afflicting people that, that we love. But patience makes an impact on, on our families. It makes a, a, an impact on our lives, on our relationships. It's just a constant, it's a constant struggle, a, a tension, a tension that's present in our lives, knowing what, what we, we should do, and yet struggling with that idea of patience. Paul wrote, wrote to the Romans and, and talked about this, the, the, the sensations that we have to deal with. Here's what he said in Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, we, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, in all of us, there's this feeling of, of satisfaction with completeness. Have you ever been working on a, a jigsaw puzzle, struggling to make the pieces fit, working hour after hour after hour? It's finally time to put the last piece in the puzzle. That feels good. That, that sense of completeness, that satisfaction of seeing the, the picture on the box match the puzzle, and you know you're going to just break it up and put it back in the box in 10 minutes anyway, but it still feels good when you're cleaning the garage and you take out all the trash and everything goes in, in its place and you're sweeping out the last bit of dirt. It, it feels great when you begin a huge pile of laundry on Saturday. Load after load, you finally are folding the last pair of socks and putting them in the drawer. That completion feels good, but you know that you're already wearing dirty laundry. It's not going to last. But it's still that sense of completeness. There's a rightness that you feel in all of that. This is, this is the idea that, that we want to get to, knowing what, what completion looks like, knowing what perfection should look like, and feeling the lack of that. It, it, it creates this feeling. This is this groaning Paul's talking about. Not only that we, we have experienced that what completion looks like, but that we know what God is working toward. Now let's think in terms of creation and even ourselves spiritually. God created imperfection. The, the world, people in the garden, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day and talked with God. There was perfection in that relationship. All of creation knows that past. We, we understand what it is to be, to be redeemed, that, that God is working in us producing in us this, this growth toward maturity, toward completion, toward perfection. That's, that's, that's that word, that, that same mindset. Yet here we are in the middle of that, knowing what was, knowing what God will do and what God is doing in us. There's this groaning because we want to be there. There's this groaning because we know what's coming, yet we're not there yet. It's this lack of completion, this, this, this tension, and it produces in us this, this frustrated groaning. The Spirit's at work in us even when we don't know how to articulate that. We can't put a name or a face or a title on that frustration. The Spirit knows, and the Spirit is working. And 
taking that frustration to the Lord on our behalf, interceding for us so that we can focus on living in hope, a hope that marks our lives as we wait patiently for what he's doing. We live in that hope, a hope that, that makes an impact in the lives around us, that people see the hope that we're living for, the, the work that God is doing us in, in us and, and in the world around us, and we're living in that hope, hope that we don't have, hope that we don't see yet, but we know is coming, and it fills us with hope, a hope that, that not only people see in us, but they look and they say, you know what, that, that hope is missing in me, and I see that it's possible because of the way that you live your life. That's the hope that we're called to, a hope that paints, paints the background that, that paints the setting for evangelism, that people look at us and see what God is doing in our lives and they see how they can also take part in that. That's what God will do in us when we live in that hope and it brings us to a very difficult question to answer. Let me ask it of myself. Do you see that hope in me? I would hope that you do. <laughs> I'd like to think that you would. Do you see that hope in me? Oh, yeah, on Sunday morning. What, what about in my life outside of this place. I, I try and live my life in a way that I'm the same here as I am there. But if you saw me at home, if you saw me at one of the events that my kids are in, if you saw me uh, with a flat tire on the side of the road, would you still see that hope in me? That's what we're working for. And so we ask ourselves, can that hope be seen in us? Are we living according to this hope? Are we marked by it in such a way that people are, are drawn to the Lord because of the way that we're living our lives? We have to work on trust. Trusting God to handle the things that are out of our control. Of living in that, of that hope. Of, of growing in patience. Because the thing that keeps me from living in hope is being impatient. Even on my way to work this morning. Tested. Patience. Every red light. Like clockwork. Nobody even at the cross section with their lights red. What's happening? There's geese in my lane twice across town. What are they doing? I stop at the coffee shop for a cup of coffee on my way in. And there's a guy getting his coffee, taking his sweet old time. I have places to be, buddy. That's not hope. That's impatience. And when I, when I let that rule... Hope isn't seen in me. But as I learn to trust God, as I learn to allow his spirit to develop patience in me through those trials, okay, probably God with his sense of humor working on me today, his hope is made more evident as I grow in patience, as I grow in patience, not impatient. It's, it is one of those days, let me just tell you. Now, Patience is important for our lives. Patience is important in our relationships. And, and Paul, as he wrote letters to the churches, helps us to understand greater implications of what patience does. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. It's important for us to be reminded of patience. For Paul, who's in prison, who's, who's suffering limitation, that's something that will really test your patience. And yet Paul is saying, I'm here, I'm experiencing this. You as a church will benefit from being patient with one another. Please do it. it. It brings you to a place of unity. In fact, the unity of the church depends on our patience with one another. It depends on it. Notice 
how Paul tells us that patience, being patient with people, cause us to think outside of ourselves, to consider the circumstances, the situations that other people are dealing with so that we can be patient with them, being humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. When we interact with people, part of the way we grow in patience is, is learning not just to deal with people face-to-face, but to, to step into their shoes and think about the circumstances that they've been dealing with today this week, this month, the situations they've, they've had to face that, that, they, that have been trying them and testing them, maybe that they're still, they're still carrying the burden of. All of us have things. We have situations, we have difficulties that we're dealing with all the time, and we all carry those burdens with us into our relationships. And being patient is a matter of trying to understand those situations and circumstances and, and bearing with one another in love, dealing with people, not just for who they are right here and now, but understanding the, the weight that they're, 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 they're feeling and, and carrying all the time so that we can extend to them the kind of patience that we would expect to receive as well. This, this, this calling from Paul is not about being selfish. It's about setting aside our agenda for the sake of people, setting aside our own agenda for the, the cause of Christ and recognizing how valuable it is for us to be united, to care about others, to, to consider where they're coming from. I was here this week for practice for our worship team Thursday night. And uh, they, they typically run through songs and do kind of a devotional prayer time. And, and Sean was here with us uh, and leading through getting ready for Sunday morning. And at the devo- devotional time, he shared this, uh, this, this thought about the importance of worship. I, I, I want to I tell you about it and then, and then follow up because I've been thinking about it and how it, it, it also applies uh, he, he, he talked to our team about how valuable it is for us to be in the presence of God. The worship is, is song and, and words that we, we say to God about how great he is. It's the, 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 the worship of the church in unity. There, there's a lot that, that comes with worship, but truly worship is the place where, where we engage in the presence of God, where we should, we should bask in that presence, or we should, we should rest in that presence. And the difficulty with leading worship is that sometimes we get so concerned with doing church, accomplishing a service, that we miss the presence of God. There's so many details to, to think about, so many things that have to come together, that, that what we need to do is to, to focus on the pres- being in the presence of God and savoring those moments together while those things are happening. I, I agree that's all true. And I was thinking about, about how we all come together at church when, when we participate in a, in a service together, that very often we get, we get caught up in, in the things of church, even when we're attending. We get caught up in, in the, the right way to do church and in accomplishing our expectation of what we're going to feel in a church service. And we're thinking about the songs that we like to hear and the, the kind of words we would expect from a preacher and the kind of, kind of feeling that would happen when we're together in, in a church building. And sometimes we get, we get so caught up in the right way to do church that we forget that the church is us, that we're called together to experience the presence of God as one body, as one family, and that those relationships, that unity that, that instills us as the church is found between us as we, grow, as we together step into the presence of God. And we miss that when we're so focused on those details. Unity is found in us, is accomplished in us when we're willing to focus on the other ones. Now, we, we spend our lives focusing on number one, uh, of personal success, Self-preservation, self-care, 
If I don't take care of me, nobody else is going to, so I need to be look out for number one. But, but unity is found when we look out for the other ones, the, the people surrounding us, as we think about their perspective, about the things going on in their lives, and we choose instead of chasing after our own wants and desires and pleasures and gain, that we would instead put those things off and step forward and care for other people, knowing that when we act selfishly, we're damaging relationships. When we focus on our own wants and desires, we damage our relationship with God as much as we damage our relationships with other people. And that what's missing from our unity is our willingness to reach, to care for the other ones, to stand together as a body of believers bound by the peace of one spirit, by our common faith in one God, united in one baptism, living together as one church, worshiping God with one voice, one Father who's over all and in all and through all. It's a, a perspective-changing kind of thought that we're, we're bound together in the Spirit and, and that our faith grows and develops as we, as we share in that unity together. There, there are things that happen together as a church that can't happen with just me. And that growth and that wholeness and that oneness can only come when we're here together, focusing together on one another. And we struggle with that idea. We know it has value. It's hard to do. We see, we see how our lives are blessed by the unity that comes from belonging to a church together. We see how our relationships are blessed by focusing on others. We see how our relationship with God is blessed by that, that mindset of surrendering our selfish desires and working for the Lord and for the sake of his people it's difficult, and, and we know that we have an example from God about how patience truly should play out in our lives. Second Peter chapter 3 says this, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, the ways of God are hard to understand. I'll be the first to say it. It's hard to understand God's timing. It's hard to understand what God is doing in us and in the world around us. It's, it's, it's hard to wrap our minds around the things of God, we, especially because we live in a world of instant gratification. There's no reason for us to wait. And, and yet when we see God working according to his timing, we see how that plays out with the, the contribution of faithful obedience over a long time of that delayed reward of how God is eternally patient and his eternal patience far exceeds ours. And we are left wondering when God, why, when are you going to intervene? Things don't happen when we think they should or the way that we think they should. And yet we know God is working. We appreciate his patience, especially when it's applied to, to us. I appreciate God's patience because I know how it has applied to me. That in the wrong of my life, in the sin of my life, I wasn't left alone. That God didn't withdraw his love and grace from me because, ah, doesn't no. God extended patience in every wrong and every fault and every flaw to meet me there with grace. Because he's eternally patient, wanting me to come to repentance, wanting me to turn my heart to him. And it's because of his patience that we've had an opportunity to turn to the Lord and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be redeemed from our sin by the power of his blood. And as much as we appreciate how he's done that for us, we also recognize how he is doing that in the lives of people, how God's patience is applied to all of us.
and yet we want him to work. We want him to move. We want, him, we want, him, we want to see him accomplishing the things that we're praying for. And we have people that we, we're, we're, we're allowed to work with, that God provides us opportunities to, to care about, to point them to him, to help them to, to accept Christ as Lord and Savior and to grow in him. And we see how patient God has to be as we work with people, as we care for them, as we encourage them and, and, and pray over their, their hearts. We see how God is, is using those efforts, our efforts, other people's efforts, praying. There, there's some people who, who come to a point of decision just, just right now. They're, they have this experience, uh, uh, maybe a, an event, and, and they understand their need for God and they turn to him. There are other people where that turning to God is a very slow process uh, over years or even decades. And they have pe- faithful people around them praying and encouraging and and helping them draw close to the Lord. And, and sometimes we get to see the eternal patience of God play out. And while it's difficult to understand, it, it's a moment of joy for us to celebrate in the grace of God displayed in ways we can't possibly understand that he illustrates to us his, 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 his patience, his perspective, his timing, and his power. And we see it. And we get to participate in it when we choose to surrender to him and take advantage of those opportunities that he places in our lives to think about the spiritual needs of others and help them draw closer to the Lord. Would you, would you please join me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for extending your patience in our lives and, and, and meeting us with grace. We thank you for the opportunities you present to us to live our faith next to other people, to, to guide them closer to you, those, those opportunities that you give us to, to pray for people and encourage them and help them to grow in you. God, I pray that you would continue to work in us, that you w- would, would help us understand the need that we have as a church to grow in patience, to submit to your spirit in dwelling us, growing patience, bearing his fruit in our lives, that we would be willing to go through the pain of, of that developing in us. God, we thank you for those moments and opportunities. We pray that you would you would remind us of of the significance of faithful obedience over time and how meaningful that is to you and how you can work in us and through us as we surrender to you. We thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.